0: Hey everybody, welcome back to Noggin Notes. I am Jake Wiskershen, and I am the host of this particular version of the podcast. We do have two other versions. If you've listened to me before, you enjoy the content, maybe check out Noggin Notes Africa with Nkembo Kiala, and or check out Noggin Notes Cambodia with Tai Pichmoni. We are really proud to be an international offering to you, the listening audience, and we also are very proud to be launching a new endeavor In both those regions, and that includes consultation, and we're really excited for what's coming. So if you want to bring Noggin Notes into your organization, you can reach out to us. Info at NogginNotes.com is the way to get a hold of us, and we can also uh, talk to you about how we might go about assisting your organization or your business or your educational institution. Info at NogginNotes.com. Today's guest is Elliot Mallon. Elliot uh, does a lot of work, um, but chiefly he works in the governmental relations department or arena. Um, he has served as a political advisor on uh, some campaigns here in the United States. He currently works monitoring legislation as well as authoring it before it goes into the legislative arena for um, you know, approval and, and adoption. And he is Jewish, And he and I were chatting the other day about these uh, hyperbolic comparisons to uh, the Holocaust based on what's going on right now with restrictions of liberties and vaccine mandates and lockdowns and so forth. And so he has a, a really impassioned opinion about all that and thinks that it's really inappropriate that we would be making such comparisons. I, as the mental health guy, believe that there's a mental health component to this because whenever we reach for extreme language or analogies to try to describe what's going on in present day, what we invite is more anxiety because truly in a unique uh, experience, nothing really ever adequately compares. So... Uh, I thought I'd get Elliot on to explain his perspective and um, explain why making these comparisons is not necessarily beneficial to wrapping our arms around difficult concepts. As always, our show is sponsored by Zephyr Wellness. It's a company that I own here in northern Nevada. We do outpatient mental health counseling. You can check out more at ZephyrWellness.org. I'm also involved in a group called Walk the Talk America, where you can go and take a free and anonymous mental health screening if you wish. WTTA.org slash love is the way to do that. Walk the Talk America is helping to bridge the gap between firearms ownership and the mental health community so that both cultures understand each other a little bit better and we prevent suicides by firearm. Please check out WTTA.org or WTTA.org slash love if you want a free and anonymous mental health screening. Thanks for tuning in and downloading our content. This is our show. This is my interview with Elliot Mallon. I hope you enjoy it. Well, we are back. Hello, Elliot. How are you?
1: I'm great. How are you?
0: I'm doing very well. I'm I'm actually probably in the best place I've been in Oh, five or six years. feels really good. Uh, For the listening audience, you don't know, um, I just completed a a partner buyout of Zephyr, and so uh, that was a really long process whenever you're dealing with banks and government and attorneys and um, it's, it's really hard. So I'm glad to have that behind me and I'm, I'm relaxed. And I shared with my staff recently in an email, this is a mental health show. We can talk about what I do for my mental wellness, right? I shared with my staff, uh, I was just really transparent. I said, Hey guys, you know, I realized that the last several months have been very, very challenging and I probably, you know, inadvertently displaced some of my angst on you and, you know, I seek your forgiveness. But then I started thinking about this I was like, no, actually I've, been, I've kind of been on edge since we opened like almost seven years ago so uh everybody's very gracious and uh, i was i was thankful that they said no no big deal we're just really glad that you're you know making it so now it's been like two or three weeks and and i can feel myself settling into harmony like i don't come home chippy and angry at my kids and you know i've got more patience and uh, i'm sleeping better and drinking less <laughs> <laughs> But uh yeah no thank you for asking. How are you? And maybe we should introduce you to the audience of what you do, who you are, how we met and all this stuff.
1: Yeah, well first off I'm I'm great. Um you know, decided that through this whole pandemic thing that I wanted to uh, expand my knowledge, so I decided I wanted to start law school. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know if I thought that was a good idea or not, but we're we're learning. It's an idea. It's an idea. It was an idea. It's a very difficult idea,
0: and and you're not just uh, you know just fresh out of college. Hey, I want to start my career, and uh, law looks good. You you have a career, and right. this is like you're doing this in addition to it.
1: Right? Yeah. So, those of you that don't know, I'm Elliot Malin. I am a government affairs um, lobbyist uh, specialist here in Nevada. I've worked on a litany of clients representing things from the Anti-Defamation League, which I think will be pertinent to our conversation Mm -hmm. today, to petroleum issues, uh, health issues throughout the state, uh, criminal justice reforms, uh, regulatory reforms, and trying to rein those in to help people get ahead in life.
0: Yeah. I, I find your work fascinating. I, um, I really enjoy policy and I like studying seminal documents, which are the, the for those of you know aren't familiar with that term, it's, the, it's basically the laws or the bylaws or the, the whatever the rules are in place that give life to an organization or an entity or a government. And I find that so fascinating because it, it uh, affects so much of our lives. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about that too, because I, I think it's important for people to know why your role is important in the world.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think that a lot of people and uh, taking it from that 50,000 foot view mm-hmm. down to that local level is a lot of people think that uh, Congress and those big actions that they see Congress taking and in the news are really what affects their lives. And that's just not not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, something that I've worked on and I'm very proud of that has had a positive impact for a lot of Nevadans um, is some criminal justice occupational licensing reforms that I've worked on. And I've had the privilege of working with Assemblywoman uh, Jill Tolls. Um, to to pass. And what we did there is we made it that the state can no longer outright reject people for a past criminal conviction from a license to work. And in Nevada, we're one of the highest regulated states um, with also a very high conviction rate. So you can see how that would impact uh, individuals. And so the idea here was how do we give people the opportunity and the chance to live their American dream? Because everybody's American dream is different. Mine is going to be different than yours and to the next person. But how do we give them that opportunity? And so how do we give them some of the liberty to expand that?
0: Yeah, so our audience is international in some regard. Uh, Naga Notes was founded out of Cambodia. Now we have Naga Notes Cambodia, and we've got Naga Notes Africa. And this is the the OG, uh, Naga Notes USA, I suppose. And so again, for those of you who aren't familiar, you go to prison in America, you, you kind of have a, a a scarlet letter on your chest that says, you know, I'm I'm a convict. And when you go to apply for jobs, th- these days, more and more people are conducting background investigations, mostly because they're less expensive than they ever have been. But also there's this uh, protectionist idea of like, I want to know who I'm hiring, make sure they don't have some crooked past. But a lot of people do reform and uh, they get out and they're, they've changed. And so they How do you end up getting somebody into an occupation when the very process by which you would get the license to practice in that occupation prohibits convicts from from doing this, right, if you've been convicted of a crime? And so what Elliot's talking about here is the ability to get a a state with a high level of convicted people living in it to – jobs in a state that also has a high degree of regulation that keeps people like convicted criminals out. So I think it's great because it helps everybody. It's, it's improves morale. And we're talking about mental health, you know, like how stressful is it when you're, all you want to do is just work again. You made a mistake. You got, you served your time. Society says you've redeemed, but now you can't even go get a job. Like that's, that's really hard. And it's, and it's economically crippling because these are people who would otherwise be producing in our economy and that they can't. So good job on that. That's really cool. I think there's a it's a lot of common sense there just all the way around.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. And, I, again, it's you're looking at things from back in the day when we had Jim Crow laws that were mm-hmm. pretty uh, explicit, right? And I, I find that we still have some that might be implicit with our criminal justice system from things like checking for uh, certain background checks. Sometimes people are criminals because they want to put food on the table. Yep. And to punish them for life and then put them in a cycle that makes it harder for them to lift their children mm-hmm. out of that. Does no service to society, and it does no service to them. And so, I think we can do um, a lot, uh, a lot of good for a lot of people. Um, on a side note, you just told me that this was founded in Cambodia, and uh, on my honeymoon, right before the pandemic, uh, we actually got to go to Cambodia, which was really, really cool.
0: That's awesome. Where'd you go, and what'd you do?
1: Uh, we went to see him reap, just so we could go to Angkor Wat because we were there. Really, we were in Thailand, and I was like, Cambodia is right next door. I want to go see this. This has been on my, my bucket list for forever. I'm in this part of the world. We are going to Cambodia. Did
0: you hear that, Safiso? Elliot's been to Cambodia. Well, that's cool. Um, I'm I'm glad you dropped that in. That's really neat.
1: And I still have a ton yeah. of Cambodian rial because I can't exchange it in the United States.
0: Really? That I did not know. About a million. Uh, what does that convert to?
1: I think about $100.
0: Okay. So now it's just decoration or maybe you can... Really in it, bookmarks. Turn, turn oh bookmarks there you go <laughs> turn into an art project or something. Well, uh, we 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 had you on not to talk about your job, but um, that's relevant. Uh, we had you on to talk about what well, what I've seen over the the course of the last several months on the internet. Uh, largely through Twitter because that's where I spend a lot of my time these days and some Instagram. I'm not on Facebook anymore, but I'm seeing a lot of this uh, comparisons of what's going on globally, I guess you could say, because it's not just the United States, but that's where we live, Um, but centered in the United States, accusations of liberty infringements equating to something that looks like the Holocaust. And we don't necessarily want to draw stark comparisons to major events in history without understanding them really, really well. And I wasn't quite sure what to make of it other than what I'd passively heard. I didn't get taught really well in in school about, you know, the Weimar Republic, for example. Um, But I was, I was just kind of following silently on some of this back exchange. And then you came out uh, with some tweets, but then also a column in the Nevada independent explaining exactly why we should not be drawing that comparison and how it was not appropriate. So you are Jewish, and you have a unique comparison. You did spend some time in Israel studying, I believe, right? You Correct. studied there. And then you also are very active in the community, and, you, and you're a fan of history. You study history. And so I want to just turn the mic over to you and let you take this wherever you go and explain why these comparisons are not necessarily valid per se, but there may be some legitimacy behind the complaints about you know people feeling like their liberties are being infringed.
1: Definitely, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to be on and uh, to discuss this. Um, something that's obviously very important to me, um, a little bit more background. My entire family was killed in uh, Auschwitz. Um, on my dad's side, on my mom's side, everybody was killed at Babi Yar. Yar is a ravine outside of Kiev. Where the you might
0: you might have to explain some of these terms. Yeah. By the way.
1: Yeah, happy to do that. So Babi Yar is a, a ravine outside of Kiev. The Nazis, when they came into Ukraine, uh, rounded up all the Jews and massacred them at Babi Yar in the ravine. Um, in fact, Ukraine this year opened up a uh, memorial for the Jews that perished at Babi Yar. Um, so I'm looking forward to at some point when international travel opens a little bit more up. Um, going to Ukraine and um, paying respect to my family that was murdered there.
0: When you say a ravine, you're just talking a chasm in the earth that they just shoved bodies into. Correct. So crude.
1: Yes. It's and, unbelievable. Um, and that was kind of the go-to for the Nazis. Uh, another side, and I was saying my family was killed at Auschwitz. We're from a, um, really it's called a shtetl. A shtetl is a Jewish community um, in Europe. Um, called uh, Today it's the city of Zambrov which is about an hour north of Warsaw. And in 2009, I had the unique opportunity to go to Zambrov. And I didn't actually know that's where my family was from at that time. We were on our way to uh, another schedule called Tychochin. And Tychochin had the only synagogue uh, for about like miles. I don't want to say 100 miles because I don't think it was 100 miles. Uh, but this is a time when they were doing horse and buggy to get places. So there was no vehicles for uh, the Jews of Zambrov to get to Warsaw or anywhere else. So they had to go to Tychochin, to that synagogue. And and again, the Nazis rounded up the Jews of Tychochin, took them into the forest this time, dug pits and shot them all. And so uh, this topic's extremely personal to me, but it's not just personal to me. It's, it's personal to the entire uh, Jewish community and Jewish family. Um, you know, the Holocaust was a very purposeful, systematic destruction of our people, and not just our people. Um, I, I find it important to make sure that we mention that there were others that were also murdered for being who they were. Uh, the Roma, um, the LGBT community, political dissidents, those with uh, physical disabilities. They were, we were all killed together.
0: And real quick, I mean, we're thinking LGBTQ community, and I think that's in most people's minds, it's a pretty modern evolution. But it's it's not. Um, right. As I understand it, Germany in the '30s was actually quite friendly to the LGBTQ community. I don't know if there's a Q back then, but um, that that was actually one of the places, one of the very unique places in the world where you could be you. It was like the San Francisco of yesteryear almost.
1: Right. Well, even then, uh, before 1933, when Hitler rose to power. Uh, Germany was a very safe place for Jews. And this is a conversation we have often, On uh, a little bit of a tangent. Anti-Semitism is annually the fastest and most widespread uh, hate crime, not just in the community, but the state, the country, and the world. It's the fastest growing, the most violent, um, and it always comes back to the conversation of, are we safe? Are we safe as Jews? And that goes to why the state of Israel exists, but that's a whole other topic. Um, but when we're talking about the Holocaust, again, it was a very systematic, purposeful mass execution of Jews and uh, enslavement, really. The German autobahn created from slavery.
0: I this was term, not aware of that.
1: Essentially, yeah. So they, the German autobahn was created by those in the camps, uh, was built by them. Uh, the German war machine built by people in the camps. Uh, so it was the enslavement and mass execution uh, in resulting from genocide. And so people, and often people will make this comparison to what's going on right now because they'll say it was slow. It wasn't slow. The first uh, concentration camp, which was Dachau, outside of Munich, was opened in March of 1933. Hitler rose to power in January of 1933. When you're talking about the evolution of this infringement on rights systematically in germany it was quick Mm
2: -hmm.
1: it was thought out it resulted in the nuremberg laws which stripped rights of people stripped citizenship made them not human in the eyes of the law and that's just not happening here and to draw that comparison is incredibly inappropriate and offensive especially to the survivors that are still around today and i've seen a lot of uh, posts where people say oh a survivor made this comparison i can almost guarantee you that they didn't
2: Mm
1: -hmm. um every single holocaust group jewish group has come out uh, in opposition to these comparisons, and you can have a valid argument about liberty erosion, and saying that your rights are being infringed upon, without jumping to the extreme, because there's just no comparison. Um, and again, people will make this comparison because they're saying, "Oh, it happened very slow, and this is how it started," but that's just not that's not the case at all.
0: What do you think they mean when they say it's happened slow? Like they they mark the end of World War One as the beginning and say, it took a bunch of time. Hitler didn't just rise overnight. He, he you know, he ground his way up the ladder kind of thing, or like, what, what are the, what do we think they're thinking?
1: I think that they're thinking does it not necessarily end of world war one, but maybe from um, the time Hitler spent in um, prison where he wrote Mein Kampf. Mm-hmm. Um, and through that time when he rose to power, I mean, it, it quickly became a dictatorship. The moment that Hitler became, what they call the Fuhrer, they basically abolished the Kaiser, the Kaiser being the king of Prussia and Germany. Um, It was, I mean, very well thought out. It was very systematic. Um, Granted, yeah, they were taking their time to gain followers within their own national socialist movement, which is what it was the NSDAP, uh, is the full name of the Nazi party in, in Germany or the acronym for the Nazi party in Germany. Um, and just making the comparison to today and what's happening here in the United States in specific, that they're taking away your rights because they want to kill you is just not not what's happening right now. Uh, when we're talking about mask mandates and vaccine mandates, um, I understand that people look at that as an infringement. It's important that we understand our own history. Uh, in 1905, the Supreme Court heard a case and affirmed that case, mandating vaccines in certain Situations. It was a smallpox vaccine, Jacobson versus the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, for example. And you
0: got to know that stuff if you're going to law school.
1: You got to know that stuff. If you're going to law <laughs> school. Yeah, law school's fascinating. But I mean, it's, it's interesting because you see in that case, a lot of the precedent that we're seeing today. But what people would read into in that case is it was just an outright uh, requirement to get vaccinated. It wasn't. It did mandate vaccination, but it also said that the government, if somebody could present a certificate that they couldn't receive the vaccine for whatever reason, that the government would be okay with them not mm. getting vaccinated. Uh, and that was really limited to medical situations and not uh, religious exemptions. Religious exemptions are actually relatively That's recent. pretty new, right? Yeah. Right. Um, for example, California uh, doesn't have religious exemptions in statute. Um, it's a statutory I don't thing. think
0: California has religion, do they? Do they even allow religion? I'm kidding. I don't think so. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um but, I mean, when you're making these comparisons and you can clearly see that there is distinguishing things in history, again, the Holocaust, a mass genocide, versus the government saying we need you to get vaccinated to save your life, they're clearly not the same. Right. And making that comparison is offensive, it's insulting, and it's just downright wrong and ignorant. It's showing that you don't have uh, the will to have a legitimate conversation at times.
0: Uh, and that's why I reached out, because right. I was – Un uncertain, because in my ignorant mind, I thought that's a it's a drastic comparison, but it seems reasonable if you start with erosion in one place. And then you say you people who choose not to get vaccinated are not welcome in these areas. Now you separate the clean versus the unclean or something like that. And then you get a contemptuousness appearing. And this is where I get into emotional functioning and psychological evaluation. We get this us versus them. Uh, then you can have infighting. And it seems like it's a few short steps away from, all right, well, we'll just encamp you all. Like you're just not welcome in society if you don't want to do what the clean have determined that you have to do, right? And so I was like this, I don't know, like how rapid are we talking here and who is the they? I'm not I'm not big into the conspiratorial they. I want to know, you know, point fingers and be precise. Um, and, and I think also psychologically when we start seeing this like, There are certain sub-demographics in America, if we're being honest with ourselves, who were in internment camps in this century. In this country. In this state. Yeah. Right. You know, in Nevada, people don't think about that, but we had a Japanese internment camp in in Nevada in the 40s. Um, So I, I think that precision matters. I think history, accuracy, historical accuracy matters. Um, but I can also have some empathy and some some understanding for people who are like, whoa, this kind of smells looks like what I read about in history books. But then we, we grab for the wrong comparison to to try to make sense of it, to try to make an analogy that that makes our brains go, okay, I understand it now. Now what do I do? Now how do I act upon this thing that appears to be a threat, right? It's triggering the, the limbic system and and it's saying, be beware. But I don't know how we draw an accurate comparison or use an accurate analogy. When clearly what you've just laid out is not accurate. It's not accurate to, to do the Holocaust. So what what do we do then to say, I want my natural immunity accounted for. I want uh, not to have a, a vaccine shoved into my kids if I choose not to, you know, in comparison with data. You know, like how, how do we do that?
1: Right. Well, and I think there's a few things. First, let's address the Holocaust education in this country too, right? Poor. Very poor. Um, It's very poor. And in this state, we uh, just passed AB 231, which is going to set standards for Holocaust and other genocides education relating to them to teach. That's awesome. uh, What it is. Um, And I'm very proud of that bill. Assemblywoman Cohen and Assemblywoman Krasner uh, were the sponsors of that bill. Um, And I'm very proud to have worked on that because it's going to help with these kind of conversations Mm -hmm. so we can truly learn what the Holocaust was at an age appropriate level, of course. Mm -hmm. But um, I wanted to lay that out there because I'm very proud of that as well. But I think what people need to understand is that we don't always need the comparison. Sometimes yeah. things are a very unique situation. And when they're unique, that doesn't mean that they are not valid in the feelings that you have. Um, and what I say that is, and I think that one of those things that you, you laid out, is I see a classist system there.
2: Mm-hmm. We are
1: talking about the, quote, clean versus unclean. That's a classist uh, designation. It's not necessarily a genocidal designation, but it's a classist. It's separating people Mm -hmm. by class, and that is where you lead into problems.
0: Is apartheid a correct application of that word?
1: So apartheid is when a minority rules over majority and takes away rights. So Mm -hmm. it would be accurate if a minority were it was the minority that was vaccinated doing that.
0: If that minority voice. Say uh, compelled people against their will through coercion or leverage of say a employment, you know maybe not everybody in the country is on board with it. Maybe they mm-hmm. not everybody if left voluntarily to their own devices would have signed up for vaccination. Is that does that count? Or I if don't, it's
1: truly a minority, and I think yeah. what's going to be interesting on this is the Fifth Sor- uh, Circuit just put a stay on the president's. Um, OSHA requirements for employment of employers over a hundred, uh, to require vaccination. And even more recent here locally, there's a lawsuit against the university of Nevada where a student is being required to be vaccinated and they don't want to be. So they fired, filed a complaint in federal court. Hmm. Um, Admittedly, I don't see that complaint going anywhere. I think it'll be dismissed with prejudice because there are exemptions, both religious and medical, given at the university. If you can show it uh, valid proof of medical uh, issue with vaccination mm-hmm. or valid proof of religious exemption. And so that being said, we also have that precedent that I brought up, Jacobson versus Commonwealth of Massachusetts, uh, which laid out the same thing. you There are certain classes of exemption that you can have to protect society. But it also said within the case that you have a right to liberty, but you don't have a right to liberty infringement of the other person. Mm -hmm. And that means that the other you don't have a right to spread a virus or disease is what that means and take that as what you will. And I think that if any of these cases get to the Supreme Court, the reason why the Supreme Court would do anything about it and either grant certiorari is to either reaffirm Jacobson Mm -hmm. or repeal Jacobson. And so it'll be a very interesting thing to watch. Um, But I think that one of the things that we have to look at right now is we're, as individuals, where do we want to be, right? We were talking about mental health and Mm -hmm. how your mental health is better today Mm -hmm. than it was, say, a few weeks ago, right? And I think that's something that plays into this quite a bit is are you working a job that you want to be working? Do you work somewhere you want to be working? Can you find employment somewhere else that will... Uh, respect your wishes. And I think that's something that people within society have to understand. If you don't find your work uh, fulfilling, then I don't think you're long for that work.
0: Yeah. And there's a yes, but to that, right. that comes in the form of Bills. yes. Yes. But when do let's pretend OSHA, the thing gets upheld and yep, it's every, every company over a hundred employees. then it's every company over 50 and then it's every company over 25 because behind the curtain is we'll just say it's big pharma pulling the strings saying we want to we've we've got our our seeds sown we just need to sell vaccines right and uh we'll pretend that the the politicians making the decisions are 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 okay with that um there's a yes but there right
1: sure no absolutely and i think it's interesting um this entire situation also gets to at what point does the government and not just our government, this is governments around the world, mm-hmm. besides maybe like Sweden and Norway and Finland, who've lifted complete restrictions right. altogether. At what point does our government understand and our leaders, our policy leaders, understand that this is never going away? Right. Right. So this, this week we had a special session in the legislature for redistricting. And what I found amazing is that in that building they still mandate uh, social distancing. But you can go to a Golden Knights game and pack t right. uh, T-Mobile.
0: Well, they applied for an exemption.
1: Right, right. <laughs> yeah. They applied for an exemption. But it's one of those things that I, I look at that and it's hypocrisy, right? Yeah. On the, on the side of the government.
0: It shakes trust in the people when they see that because the people see with their own eyes what's going on.
1: Exactly. And it's interesting because I, I tweeted a thing about that because I found it. I took a picture of the seat with a little rope on it. And you had liberal activists, conservative activists, progressives, everybody in agreement that this is dumb. This is hypocritical. At what point does the government understand that this becomes a personal choice issue because forcing people into something coercion often will leave a bad taste into society and create other divisive issues. And I think you're seeing that play out right now. Over the last year we've had riots. Mm -hmm. Um, Over the last, currently there's a trial where people are paying attention to that. As we, as you know, I'm, Vehemently opposed to um, media publication of of tr- criminal trials, the uh, public has no bearing on the guilt or innocence of a person
0: well, we hope well, but the more you publicize it, we don't know how far that trickles into the courtroom
1: right well, and that's the problem is that's another look at liberty right we're mm-hmm. talking about liberty, and how can that true truly be um, liberty for somebody how how do we how are we okay with taking that from? one person and I put it to somebody is I'm not saying that Kyle Rittenhouse is guilty or innocent. Mm. I'm saying he deserves the same thing that every other person that goes a criminal trial deserves, which goes exactly into this.
0: And so did the plaintiffs.
1: And so do the plaintiffs, everybody. And this goes into the larger conversation, right? We as a society have to remember to learn to respect others. And I think that we've lost sight of that. And I think part of that is just the cycle of politics today is everybody is so divisive. It's so, um, it, there's so much animosity after nine I've never seen, and I, I was young, but I remember how united the country was
2: mm-hmm.
1: with this. And this is a tragedy, right? There's been a lot of people that have died from COVID,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but we're so divisive and we're yelling at each other. We're making fun of somebody for not getting vaccinated or getting vaccinated when we can just say, okay, I understand your position. Um,
0: and respect it right? right
1: and you don't have to necessarily agree with it but you can respect it and it goes back to what we see within politics within this country and just the divisiveness and it gets back to like you don't truly need something to compare this to for it to have a valid complaint of infringement of liberty
0: yeah i think i think i'm glad you brought that back up because i wanted to return to it i think i have an explanation for the the divisiveness and the and the contempt and the um and the separation and the and the mudslinging so when we reach for dramatic comparisons, we call that yellow journalism back in the day, where you screaming headline to get your attention to get you to buy the thing. These days it's we call it clickbait. Same thing. Um, whether it's advertising and marketing or it's uh, or it's you know, trying to tell you a story. The idea is to drive eyeballs, dr- eyeballs drive revenue and so forth, right? And I think as this I, I picture it almost like that scene in uh, the, the the one parts of the Caribbean movie where they're like rocking the ship back and forth, mm-hmm. and Jack Sparrow's trying to like get it to invert. Um, that this this rocking of the the pendulum or the the ship or whatever you want us to call it is it's cut it cuts across many different topics, and it's like you can't stand in the middle because you're going to get pulled to one side or the other. Mm-hmm. It's really really hard to stand in the middle, and my explanation for that is that. Over time, there's a lot of reasons for this, but over time I think we've eroded our ability to tolerate distress, and some of those reasons include being fed instant gratification. This dates all the way back to like probably the the 50s or 60s when we first got televisions in the home. And then we got remote controls for those televisions, so we didn't even have to get up and walk across the room. And then we got microwaves, and then we got TV dinners, and then we didn't have to like spend time actually cooking meals. And and faster and faster and faster. The the invention of the VCR, and then the DVD player, and then everything's digital, and then it's streaming, and then it's the internet. So what we've done is technology broadly has outstripped our developmental capacity, our brain's developmental capacity, to absorb as much as, being, as is being thrown at us. Simultaneously, we're being marketed to to customize everything and have it made your way. And so we've lost the ability to be patient and that includes patience with other people. Mm-hmm. And when you lose the ability to tolerate distress, you ab- lose the ability to watch distress in others as they sort out their own stuff. And it's something that we're uniquely trained to do in counselor school is to sit with people in their distress and just be with them, not try to yank them out of it. No, no, not all of us are great at this. And some of us want to yank people out of it because of our own, dis-ease, um, but I think I, I see that playing out on a broad scale. That's why we have the the, the mocking and the making fun of and the us versus them because in, a, in, a, in an environment where the ship is rocking, to maintain that metaphor, it's so much easier to join in with a crowd. A, you blend in. B, you're surrounded by an echo, an echo chamber that's like you. But that ends as soon as you realize that people are not monolithic with one label, whatever you applied to them. And so that gets to your point about, you know, how how do we deal with this very unique thing? Well, we reach for things to make our brains make sense of it because we are in distress and it's very hard to sit in distress and know that we'll be okay. And something that I, I regularly say to people is, you know, humanity evolved over its 40,000 years of its current iteration of Homo sapiens looking like we do now without my profession, psychotherapy, right? We've only been around 100, 120 years. So chances are pretty strong that most humans have within them or at least within their community, the, the, the power to overcome whatever they're dealing with without having to level up to professional psychotherapy. It sounds like I'm, you know, trying to work myself out of a job because I am. Uh, so I think if we can apply the same concept to this pandemic, for example, which I don't even know how it's defined anymore, they keep changing the definition of things. Like now they've changed the definition of what fully vaxxed means to like, oh, now it's a, vo- a booster or whatever. Um, but I don't, I don't know how long the pandemic capital T capital P with the trademark is going to last. All I know is that human beings have endured a lot more for a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so while 20, and this is a conversation I had very recently with a very good friend, I I realized I had a blind spot. Um, I was falling victim to my own uh, distress intolerance and my own instant gratification because I just wanted this to be over and it seems like it might not be. And I can be okay with that if I know that it's never going to be over. I can also be okay if I have a timeline, but I was sitting in frustration going, just give me an answer. And I look and I go, 20 months isn't really a long time.
1: Well, and I think to that point though, right? When this first started, what were we told
0: when we were told two weeks to flatten the curve, right? Two weeks to flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah.
1: And we're now almost at two years of flatten the curve.
0: Mm-hmm. Is the curve flat? I haven't, I haven't I, looked. No,
1: it's the curve's never going to be flat. It's, just it's a sign curve is what it is. Yeah, it's gonna <laughs> Maybe it's more whatever. like cotangent. But I think that's important because everybody was asked to stay home for two weeks.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We're going to go back to normal life in two weeks. Everything will be back to normal, right? And th- at that point in time, everybody did it. Republican, conservative, liberal, Democrat. Everybody's like, all right, we can do that. Yep. Two weeks. Flatten the curve. Again, we're now 20 months later, right? What does that actually look like? And so I think that people, and, and we we're talking about that technology in the home. You're stuck at home for two weeks. You've got nothing to do. You can't necessarily work. Um, We're talking about issues of, and I I coach at a low area income school here in the district. Um, And one of the first thoughts I had was, oh my God, these kids, Mm -hmm. what are they going to do? They don't necessarily have internet in the home. They don't have nutritious meals. They don't necessarily have parents in the home. Yeah. The nutritious meals are often at the school.
0: school.
1: And so- there's so many things that are going through our heads, but it goes back to that is that two weeks we took, we took off and everybody's like, we can do that. And then there's still people that haven't left the house. Yep. And so there you've gotten stuck in this mindset of it's not safe outside. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to get, do this. So it will be safe for me to go outside, but not everybody can do it. Right. And on the other converse side, uh, my cousin recently received a kidney and he is immunocompromised now for the rest of his life.
0: hmm
1: so him being around people that aren't vaccinated that transmit COVID to him could kill him, very easily. But we've got
0: vaccinated people transmitting COVID. Correct. Right. So it's like that's even further frustrating the process of like completion. It's like when do we know that we're there? I got my shots. I Got my third shot. Now I got COVID. How did I get COVID? I got third shot. It's right. like, I don't
1: know. and we all know that vaccines aren't a hundred percent effective. Um, and again, that's the choice of people to get vaccinated or right. not right now. Um, but we do see a lower transmission rate from vaccinated True. to unvaccinated, I think the test positivity is under 2% for those that are vaccinated, which is actually on par with their efficacy rate. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Do we have a, a duration on that? Like how long?
1: Um, they're, I don't think so because um, where we're at right now, but they are seeing some vaccines start to fall off in their uh, effectiveness Yeah, after six to eight months.
0: That's what I've seen too.
1: Um, Israel, for example, just kind of completed a booster campaign throughout the country, Back down to almost nothing um, and just reopened. Very much looking forward to going mm. um, when I'm able to now that the country's been, been reopened. But it goes back to that point, though, right? People have been stuck for two years,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that doesn't help. When you're stuck and all you have is that echo chamber and all you have is that technology, and you can't go out and you can't see your friends, and you're, I mean, granted, everybody was violating the rules a year ago yeah. when it was at the height of COVID. Um, And you, I mean, you had people also that were in leadership saying that this isn't real. This isn't true. And here in Washoe County at Renown, we converted a parking garage into a COVID unit and it was full. And you had the leader of the country at the time saying it's fake. That doesn't help. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that we have to have the incumbency to say, okay, this is real. Right. COVID is dangerous, but so is other things, cancer, the flu, driving, I, I get a
0: TikTok,
1: TikTok. I could have died a million ways on the way here mm-hmm. from my house. Right, everything is dangerous in our lives. And at what point do we understand as a country how how do we move forward? And trying to figure out how we move forward is important. And I think that's something that our leaders have to understand on all sides of the political spectrum of how do we return to normal and what does normal look like? I am hoping that normal looks like it was February two thousand twenty. Right.
0: Yeah. I think normal has to be determined by um, individual choice, too. Right. Like if you you get this top down authoritarian stuff where you got an elected leader who's a head of state of some sort, it's, it could be an actual state, it could be a county, it could be well, leaders of counties, but it's a mayor, for example, of a city. And they act under an emergency authority. And, and in Nevada, statute defines emergency authority as whatever the governor says it is. Um, which is very imprecise, and that's also very um, unnerving for some people. And you can effectively keep that in place forever, and just make policies, and unless checked by the legislature, um, those policies stay in effect. And so I, you know, I don't know, I don't. I think we're asking the wrong questions. It's not what does it, what does normal look like. It's what do you people want it to look like? Right. But that takes humility from our leadership. And so far, I'm not seeing a ton of. Deference. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think on that note, though, our leadership also has to understand that uh, at sometimes they don't know everything.
0: Right, yeah, right, right. They weren't right, elected right. to know everything. Right.
1: They were elected to le- elected to lead, and leading sometimes means getting other people to help you make those decisions. That's why the president has a cabinet, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's why the governor has a cabinet. It's bringing those people in to help and not just making the decisions solely out of fear and look i i i believe um at the beginning of this it was warranted to be afraid we didn't know i, I agree um but at the other end of it a few months later was uh passover right for us
0: mm-hmm.
1: and somebody i was trying to have a passover seder and trying to figure out how to do that with my parents who are both immunocompromised and i couldn't mm-hmm. i i accept that but the other part of it was the governor's mandate here was that 10 or more people couldn't gather. Well, in the Jewish faith, we have to have 10 people to do things within our, our customs. Mm. So to do a funeral, to be able to say the mourner's Scottish, uh, you have to have 10 people and funerals are outside and we couldn't do that. And I'm having a conversation with the governor's office, like, Hey, can you at least make this not more than 10? Yeah. So that way our first Amendment's not being violated. Cause again, we're going back to that, that overarching topic of liberty and, and rights. And so Well, and
0: intentionality too, which is like my my favorite word in counseling. Know why you do what you do. Have the spirit of knowing why you do what you do. Be in charge of your your purpose. So what's the intentionality behind 10? Where did that even come from? It's a nice round number plucked from thin air, which also doesn't give a lot of confidence to the people who are being led, who have consented to you leading them when you just make things up and you don't take into consideration who else is affected and what other freedoms are being stepped on.
1: Right, and it it gets back to that overarching conversation, right? Hmm. Liberty erosion of erosion of those rights i had a conversation with members of leadership in our state even the press saying hey there's a problem this is a a clear first amendment Mm -hmm. violation it is stopping us from being able to practice our religion and it is particularly singling us out because we're the only ones that require that um and so how are you going to solve that and just change the language to not more than 10 if that's what your standard is fine but we can't do zoom funerals yeah uh, at least especially religious Jews, cannot do Zoom funerals. We don't recognize technology. Right, right. Um, and so, a- again, we can be spread out at a cemetery. That's fine. Why Why can't we do that? To be able to bury our dead, Yeah. which is what we would call the mitzvot mitzvah, is one of the pinnacle. It's one of the most important things you can do is bury your dead. And we do that as a community. And we could not do that because of um, a subjective number that was placed. And again, people have a right to be upset when they see that the liberty is being eroded, right?
0: Did did, did they not listen to you? Did they not hear you? Or what? it eventually what? got changed. Oh, it did okay. Um,
1: I'm very thankful for that. Um, was
0: was there a mistake acknowledged, or was it we're changing it because the numbers changed, or something like that? Um, was there a different reason? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: No, I I think that privately there was a mistake acknowledged, and I I appreciate them doing that, right? Um, and it would have been nice to see that publicly as well.
0: Well, for those of us who didn't know too, it would be nice if they came out and said, you know what? We blew it. We did forgot this entire community over here. It's now 12. And just so you guys know why it's 12, y- you know, that would have been nice instead of those of us who are watching, going watching the number move up and down. We're like,
1: now why, why well, is it that? And interestingly enough, that 10 number, it can only be adults.
0: Oh, so it
1: doesn't include children for us because it has to be a bar about mitzvah. You have to be in an v- adult age. Oh. So like 12, it's a good point. Um, and it, it goes back to the humility to be able to say, you know, like I messed up mm-hmm. um, and address that. And again, I think that I'm in a unique position of communication with leadership in our state. Um, and I appreciate that. And I recognize the privilege that I have on that. But not everybody else has that opportunity. Correct. And so the fact that I, in a way, had to speak up for my community doesn't make me feel good. Right. This is, should have been a no-brainer. And so I think that people... and. To tie it back, like there was a lady, I remember seeing her at Walmart uh, yelling at a cashier uh, about wearing a mask. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't comply. And I just looked at her. I was like, ma'am, do you think this employee really is the person you need to take this out on? They're just doing what they're told by their superiors. They don't want to be doing this. That's not what they were hired to do. They're trying to make ends meet to pay for their bills, and you're just taking it out on them. And if you really want to do something to advocate about this, go protest. Here's a, here's mm-hmm. the address for the governor's mansion. Organize a protest. You have that right. Yeah, talk,
0: talk to the right people, right?
1: Right, don't take it out on the employee.
0: Yeah.
1: And again, like that's something that should happen. If you see this and you believe that that's that liberty, your, your liberty is being eroded, protest, go mm-hmm. out in front of the legislature. People will take notice and, and, and get more people, or recruit them. There's things you can do in tying it all together is there's things you can do without making a comparison to something that it's not right. Um, Situations are unique. This is very unique in history. Uh, Last time was what the Spanish flu hundred years ago. Yeah. And the Spanish flu also coupled with world war Mm one. Right. So there was a very also very unique situation. I wouldn't say that that's comparable necessarily to today either.
0: Yeah, I hear those comparisons all the time. It's like, well, they mandated vaccines then, and they got rid of it. And it's like, yeah, not immediately. <laughs> right. And I get, You know, and, and I wanted to ask you this, too, because uh, I've heard various opinions, and I'm not even sure what mine is. How long do you go along to get along without risking more liberty erosion?
1: That's a good question.
0: Vax Passports, for example. You know, It's like, well, hold on. I just signed up to try to eradicate this thing. I didn't sign up to be monitored you know, in perpetuity.
1: Well, and interestingly enough, though, is the government's been doing that for years.
0: Oh, yeah, totally. I, that's why I'm like, I don't even know where I land on this. It's like the same people who are protesting the monitoring of the Vax Passport. It's like they've you already got been your, monitored you got since your they were a child. Siri and your, your uh, Alexa in your home.
1: Right. Well, even then, like taking it a step further, the government's already monitoring what vaccines you've taken, mm-hmm. right? Every time you get vaccinated with whatever it is, if it's a licensed physician, that gets reported to the state.
0: Yeah, I guess the, the, the pushback I'm hearing is that is that it w- no one was losing their ability to go have dinner or go shopping or watch a movie or attend a basketball game.
1: Well, and this goes back to the court case here, right? right. That was just filed. Um, again, I think it's going to be dismissed, um, but we'll see what happens. But to be a student at the university, you had to prove vaccination for things like meningitis,
0: right? I never had to do that, I don't believe.
1: When I was a student, that may be
0: new. Something new.
1: When I first came to campus, there were a bunch of vaccines I had to prove. Mm -hmm. I had to go get them and send them to the university. So, to be a student, I had Mm -hmm. to go get vaccinated.
0: This is just one more. That's then. That's the that's the common sense argument, right? It's like, well, it's just one more, and then and then the pushback is, yeah, but we don't really know about the safe part. We know the effectiveness somewhat, but we don't really know the safe. And there's conspiracy theories, and then there's also real world examples of like. I don't want my heart to enlarge. <laughs> like, that's a chance, right? And no, then we've, we've measured that
1: chance with almost anything. Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the choice somebody has to make for themselves mm-hmm. as well. And I think on another note though, with vaccine passports to even for an alien to enter the country, to enter the United States, they have always had to have something to show that they were vaccinated to come to the United States.
0: I'm presuming we're actually watching the people coming to the United States.
1: <laughs> it's typically only at the air borders. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but that's a whole another topic yeah, about yes. immigration. <laughs> yes, it is. But uh, that's something we've already been doing. And when you leave the country at times, we've, other countries have always required that you show vaccination mm-hmm. to enter. And so I think that this isn't necessarily a new concept, but I think what is new about it is the internal strife with it, right? The internality of it. Uh, internality being inside the United States. Mm-hmm. We've never really had to walk around with it. And don't get me wrong. I'm vaccinated. I've got the booster, but I also mm-hmm. now only have one kidney. Right. right. So I'm doing what I can to protect myself.
0: Yeah. So, so let's examine that a little bit. What, I mean, this is good for, for people who are struggling maybe with trying to make sense of all this stuff, in mental health show. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your dissection? What's your evaluation on why this is a problem? My, for, I'll offer mine. Mine is there's suspicion enough to warrant hesitation based on potential vaccine injury in the minds of people. Now mm-hmm. I don't know how legitimate that is because there's so much propaganda and misinformation right. from all ends. And it's very hard to make sense of it. And it's very hard, as we've already laid out, to trust the authorities who have been very inconsistent. And, I, and it doesn't matter why they're inconsistent. It just matters that they've been inconsistent. Masks, no masks. Vax, no Vax. Uh, mandate, no mandate. Right? For two years. So yeah. I don't know why, though— This one is a problem other than that. And that's a pretty simple Occam's razor type of explanation.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of people uh, are vaccine hesitant right now, specifically with this, because they will say this was developed so quickly. Right. Right. Um, In humans, in humans. Right. And so here's something that's really important to note. COVID is just SARS. Mm -hmm. We've had SARS before. Mm -hmm. We knew SARS was coming back. We didn't know how it was coming back. COVID-19 is how SARS came back. So we had actually been working on that vaccine for almost two decades. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it right. really wasn't as quick as people think. And that goes back to that little bit of misinformation and the, the really is the terrible communication. Um, doctors, for example, don't go to school to be communicators. True. They go to school to become doctors. Yeah. So when you put doctors up on this pedestal and say communicate.
0: Which is really the elected person's job to listen to the doctor and then communicate what the doctor has to say.
1: Well, and have their communications or press secretary
0: do it for yep.
1: Make sure that they have the right talking points. Yep. And so we've put these doctors on this pedestal. An example is Dr. Fauci. Mm-hmm. Everybody's mad at Dr. Fauci all the time now, right? He's a doctor. His job, being a doctor, is not to communicate. His job is to be an infectious disease expert.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, if there's anything nefarious, that's neither here nor there. I don't know. I don't pay attention to that on purpose. Um, but we've put this man on this pedestal and said, tell the people what to do. And that's not his job. That is the job of the president of the United States to say, come mm-hmm. out and with empathy, ask the people to do something. Right. Right. And I think that goes into another thing is if the president, both the previous and current, were to come out and be empathetic and say, I know we're all struggling. Right. Please yeah, do it. Yeah, instead of
0: like condescending paternalistic lecturing parents. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That causes problems. We've seen that here mm-hmm. in our own state. Um, and, and really driving home the key points that we need to get to about what's happening and, and getting those facts out about the vaccine, um, talking about how long it's been in uh, development. Yeah, it's the first for, uh, mRNA vaccine, uh, but they've been testing that for years and it is, I think a wonder of science, how quickly they were able to, uh, hone in on what they needed to target for COVID-19 because all that makes it different is those spike proteins, uh, and be able to get a vaccine that would be able to potentially fight that hmm. but again and to the point you were making is we're really bad at communicating that and so we well, really, people hesitant
0: and we're really bad at allowing people to choose for themselves so back to the liberty conversation right. liberty is acknowledging a person's autonomy to decide um the opposite of that is compulsion and mm-hmm. that's what a mandate is it's it's removing that ability to choose which people tend to bristle at because uh, for a lot of reasons developmentally evolutionarily psychologically um Certainly politically. They don't like being told what to do, especially when they haven't been given the full information. And if you give them the full information, then you probably don't have to force them into it. Right. So there's there's I think there's a friction there, at least a tension between being well informed, and that's part of what I do as a as a clinician, is I I when I have people sign the paperwork for treatment consent, it's supposed to be a well-informed consent. Now we right. can't cover everything because we don't have a crystal ball, but we can make some reasonable predictions that this is probably going to get a little rough. It's going to seem like it gets worse before it gets better. Um, there's no guaranteed outcomes, and oh by the way, there's some confidentiality issues. I I might have to breach if we trigger certain prongs, right? Okay. Do you agree? We're all about those prongs. Yes, and 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 then there's the you know there's the finances and the commitment and all that stuff. So okay, so please sign. I don't just shove papers in people's face and say sign, right. and I certainly don't treat them without their consent. And I think there's this to borrow a Carl Jung term, an introject, there's a cultural introject, which is an unquestioned belief or assumption that's just kind of been pushed into our minds. Uh, So like, you know, don't, don't cross the street without looking both ways. That's an introject. We just unconsciously like look both ways because we've been pushed into that since we were kids. So one of our introjects is you don't get treated without consent. And there's a lot of people out there now with these mandates, including mask mandates, I would even say, because that's it's, it's a medical intervention of some sort. If it weren't, then we wouldn't be doing it. 100 um, percent. And they're saying, I didn't consent to this. I didn't consent to this. And then the loose argument is, well, you did consent because you're living here. And the law under in the state and under which you live says that the person in the governor's position has the ability to blah, blah, blah. Right. right. So if you don't like it, you can move. Um, and people have, and they have, they have. Um, but you know, then it's like, do you leave your own country if the president is doing it? Right. And, and so it gets back to this idea of consent and are we, are we consenting to the treatment? And oh, by the way, do we know the treatment works? Right. For me. And we're all individuals, right? And you know, we got exemptions and sort of all sorts of things.
1: Right. And I think it goes back to the, um, miscommunication and the lack yep. of empathy. And I think that's something that we can all right now. And thoughtfulness. Exercise. Right.
0: It was very reactive. We were all reactive and I can grant some, some credence to that and I can grant some latitude. But two years in.
1: Right. Well, and again, I think we can all use an exercise a little bit more empathy at all times. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit more humility. I know myself sometimes I was like, I need to be more humble. Right. And that's just an introspective look at my own life. And right now, I think it's important that our leaders do the same, because there's people, there's there's real anger, um, and, and I, I see it. Sometimes I don't understand it, but I see it. Um, and I can respect that people have a position because they don't know what to believe, because they haven't been given all of the information accurately. When you have people throwing out information that might not be accurate or... Um, you know, selling a product as this cure-all that might not be. People become hesitant, and we as a society— And worn out. And worn out. It's exhausting. I'm exhausted mm-hmm. from this, mm-hmm. right? I wish I could just go to sleep and wake up and this is all over. Uh, obviously, that's not going to be the case, um, unfortunately. But I think that we as a society, when we see— there's a lot of things. When we see the disrespect to one another, we have to address it. We have to understand, and I see this all the time. Um, for fun, yesterday, regarding the Rittenhouse trial, somebody said, not the Rittenhouse trial, sorry, Alec Baldwin. Mm. Somebody said he had to be charged with a crime, and I said, what crime? And they said, well, he killed somebody. And I said, but did he have the intent to kill somebody? Mm-hmm. And we jump to these conclusions, right? And But we don't show each other the respect to get have a a meaningful conversation about them and we we don't allow each other to be heard and i think that's part of the problem right now and why people are upset and why they're making these comparisons and why they feel like their liberty is being infringed upon because they don't feel like they're being heard
0: i i couldn't agree more and and i think that when we're trying to uh, draw quick conclusions on things again i'll go back to it, it makes the it gives the brain something to make sense of. We like certainty, especially in the West where we're driven by science and we like to know things. And now we have, you know, we don't have to struggle our way around town. We have Google maps, you know, like Wonderful. like we love predictable. Things. We love predictability. We love certainty. We like um, guarantees. We like outcomes. We like warranties. Um, we just love to know stuff. And when you're plagued with uncertainty, when you haven't practiced sitting in uncertainty and embracing mystery, Our brains, our egos, our psyches will grab onto things even if they're not complete or they don't make sense or they're inaccurate just to give us something to hold on to. So the antidote to that is to be able to sit in mystery and be okay not knowing, which is very, very challenging, and the only way you're going to get good at it is to practice it. But then the second step is please, 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 for the love of God, do not take it out on your fellow human beings because they are also right. doing the same thing.
1: Right. The, the employee at Walmart, mm-hmm. they don't deserve that. Right. No. They're trying to put food on their table as is every other person in the world. Right now, the economy is in a questionable crumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, people are concerned about their own finances. Uh, they're, they're concerned about their futures.
0: And you don't have to shop there.
1: Exactly. You don't have to shop there. And that's a beautiful thing. If somebody, if you don't want to wear a mask, you can go somewhere shop that's elsewhere. not shop elsewhere. Mm-hmm. The a business has that right. Even after all this is over, right? A business can ask you or request for you or mandate in their store that you wear a mask. Yep. And that's okay. You don't have to shop there. That's part of the whole freedom in this country. I can get what I need elsewhere yep. or Amazon. Right.
0: And, 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 uh, if you're looking for a reason or rationale, it's the no shoot, no shirt, no shoes, no servicing, which I, I thought when the mask, I didn't ever agree with it. Cause I always. I knew masks didn't work, but what I thought the campaign was brilliant when we came out with the, the healthy response envy, uh, Mm -hmm. no shirt, no shoes, no mask, no service. Mm -hmm. I thought it was, I was like, that's, that's a perfect tie in because the businesses who want to comply and not risk OSHA fines can absolutely ask you to do that. Now strip away the OSHA fine and it's exactly the same. It's like, I can ask you to do silly dances in the middle of the lobby if I, if you, if I require that of you to shop here, you just don't have to agree to it. You can go elsewhere. Right. Right.
1: Right. And I think, I guess.
0: But again, that's a liberty decision. It's not compelled by government. Once it's compelled by government, now we don't have liberty anymore.
1: Right. Well, and I think it goes back to kind of that conversation about empathy is when we're talking about what we've gone through as a collective over the last 20 months or so. We have to understand that we have to be able to step outside of our echo chambers Mm -hmm. and have that conversation with somebody that disagrees with us and treat them with respect and just listen and not get mad and not get angry. Right now, um, looking at what's happening at school boards across the country where people are just kicking and screaming, instead of having a legitimate conversation, they could have a legitimate grievance. Mm -hmm. But all they're doing is kicking and screaming, and school boards across the country are in shambles. Here in Nevada, Clark County just fired their superintendent and is now trying to reinstate him.
0: Did they really? I missed that. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. Wow.
1: But just having that introspection and the ability to have some empathy towards others right now, I think, is incredibly important and in understanding their point of view. For example, the conversation we've had about the Holocaust, right? Mm-hmm. Part of that took empathy yep. and humility to do, right? And we as a society need to get back to that and understand Thank you. That.
0: I like to think of myself as very humble if I do say so myself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have a joke going that I'm the third best at humility. Uh, with one of my really good friends. um, I'll tell you about that story in a little bit. Uh, But I I think it's just important that we do that. We treat others with respect. Mm. Um, And all sides of the political spectrum right now are, are lacking in that. You can see it in Congress, right? And that is so pertinent and everything is just thrown at us every day in the media that that's just what we believe is normal. You know, like I, I'll say this. I vehemently disagree with AOC on almost everything. But she's been able to humanize Congress, so I can respect that. That doesn't mean I agree with her position on anything. And I think that's important for us to understand that we can respect one another. Mm -hmm. We don't have to agree with one another. Mm -hmm. And being able to do that civilly is something that this country is
0: about. It's a concept in yield theory. that It's like I can't go a podcast or seminar without mentioning Christian Conti. He was a friend and mentor uh, to me. For many years, uh, he wrote a book called uh, Walking Through Anger. It all talks about yield theory, but a uh, the core tenet of yield theory is being able to see through the outward presentation of somebody and see the, the soul on the inside, the, the the innate divinity that each of us carries, and know that from there, some good is intended. It doesn't matter how it comes out. What you got to do is train yourself to, to turn down the noise and see through that and go, what is this person really trying to, to share with me?
1: Right. Well, that goes with these uh, mandates and all this stuff, the vaccine. I think there's intended
0: good. Oh, for sure. For sure. Right?
1: That's what the intent is here. Which e- is even only- if
0: there's a greased palm on the other side, I mean, that's, that's literally every policy that's ever made. Somebody's, somebody's making money off of it.
1: Well, that's another conversation right. about the way we do uh, patents, and now we need patent reform in this country to allow for um, – And
0: qualified immunity, for that matter, because it's like, well, what are you doing granting protection to the – vaccine company that you're going to mandate their vax for <laughs> like that's that's sketchy that's shady that doesn't right. communicate well. well
1: and that's it goes back to the conversation about we don't trust what we're seeing right and right. there's a reason why we don't trust what we're right. seeing is because we're not giving anything to trust
0: okay? i don't get a sweetheart deal when i open up zephyr wellness and be like hey, hey hey can we just can we just not sue me if i screw this up the first time
1: right and, and that's part of that communication problem we're seeing which is another reason why we need to not be putting these people on pedestals saying hey you communicate People mm-hmm. want to hear from you. I don't want to hear from a doctor. Mm-hmm. I want you to tell me that you talk to the doctors. They're sitting behind you and you're the leader of this country or you're the leader yeah, it takes of the state. Take some ownership. Mm-hmm. Own it. And you know what? If you don't know what to do, it's okay to say I don't know.
0: Yeah, That's another part of humility that's lacking these days is this, this simple ability to go to shrug and go, hmm, but we're trying and I'm trying with you. Right. I'll get back to you in a few days. I might not have an answer then and you can fire me if you want. But I don't think anybody else is going to come up here and do any different because you're going to have the same lack of information I have. Exactly. And
1: we we just need to get back to treating one another well. Mm-hmm. And it goes to the comparisons we're making and understanding that they're not accurate and they're offensive. Mm-hmm. Right? I'm not telling you not to be upset that your liberty is being infringed upon. In yeah, but re-
0: speak it accurately. We don't need analogies.
1: Right. You don't need an analogy. If something's bad, it can individually be bad. Right. The Holocaust didn't happen, like, we don't compare the Holocaust to other things, but there were other genocides. We don't yes, compare them.
0: That's true. That's true. I do not think pay, about that.
1: We g- don't play genocide Olympics. Every genocide
0: the is The Holocaust bad. may not even be the worst thing to happen to Jews.
1: No. <laughs> Just maybe modern history. Yes. Right, right,
0: right. That's what I'm thinking, like, you know, existence well, under Pharaoh wasn't that great.
1: <laughs> There's also the attempted genocide by uh, Haman in Persia. Yeah, yeah. We have an entire holiday about it, my favorite holiday. Mm-hmm. Um That's because we're supposed to get so drunk we can't tell our, fam- our friends from our foes. <laughs> it's a fun holiday. It's Jewish <laughs> Halloween. But um, we, we don't play Genocide Olympics. Mm-hmm. We don't compare it because it's disrespectful to those that perished, right? In right. Cambodia under Pol Pot. We don't compare that to um, Rwanda and Darfur because mm-hmm. they're unique. They're individual. And that's what we do to respect the victims and the victims' families. And so when we when we do that we just diminish our own argument we diminish our own credibility
0: audience can't see this but i got my uh, my my wheels are spinning eyeballs rolling around right now i'm kind of goes gazing around the room considering what you're saying something just clicked for me and i think the reason that we need those excuse me we need those comparisons is because it's the same reason we put labels on people we want that certainty again it's like well if i know that it's like this other thing then i can be at peace with my comparison and it now In full transparency, I'm wondering if maybe doing analogous therapy or metaphor therapy is not the best practice because I myself, even though I think I'm being useful and usually people nod along in session when I'm Mm -hmm. analogizing something to another thing, it's invariably going to be inaccurate because every encounter is unique unto itself.
1: That what's, part of that's what makes all of us unique, right?
0: Hmm. I need to get to be a better therapist then and stop using metaphor <laughs> therapy because although I think it helps to communicate the message sometimes, it inherently boxes up the person's individual experience to this other thing that's not their experience.
1: Well, let's take it another step. We were talking about history, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that there's a time and place for metaphors and analogies, right? But before we knew... But
0: not similes. No similes.
1: Right. right. Uh, say the Nazi Germany didn't commit a genocide. They just put Jews in concentration camps. Mm-hmm. Will we compare that to what this country did to Japanese Americans? Likely not. They were all unique.
0: Yeah. And, and and the more of a separation we have, it's like, well, that's them. This is us. We're not them. We are us. It's not the same. So yeah. we're real quick to point out the differences when we don't like them. Right. Or when, or, or we're real quick to point out the similarities when it could be weaponized.
1: Right. Right. And it's something that, again, it takes that introspection. And it was a conversation I had when we were bringing that Holocaust education bill. Mm -hmm. Was there were a lot of conversations about we want this genocide included, this genocide included. My response was, okay, yeah, that's fine. And the reason that's fine is I have the Holocaust, but I don't have, Pot, I don't know what that is. Mm -hmm. Should I learn? Yes, Um, but I'm also respecting what happened to Cambodians. I'm respecting what happened to people in Darfur, uh, Rwanda. Uh, even you know armenians armenians really are the first modern day genocide it would i would say the nazis learned a lot from the turks or the ottomans this really
0: is possible that is possible i hadn't considered that that's right it wasn't yeah they may have had a roadmap
1: right and so to think about what happened to the armenians mm-hmm. um and i don't compare that to the holocaust because not only do i not want that to happen for my people they don't deserve that for theirs either and so understanding that We don't need comparisons to talk about what is and isn't erosion of that liberty. It's just important.
0: I really appreciate your time, and I want to respect we're going over an hour now, but I want to ask you this. Uh, Why is liberty important?
1: (laughs) Liberty is probably one of the most important things there is.
0: Yeah, but why?
1: Because it gives you the idea and the freedom to be an individual. And being an individual is what inherently, it's one of those things, right? We talk about within religion. And some religions are different than others. For example, we do things in a community, but we also do things and we understand that the individual is important. Right. And so Liberty gives us the opportunity to be that individual, to make those choices for ourselves and to truly be free. And without that, what are we? My family, as we started this off, was killed by the Nazis, but they were also killed by the communists. Yeah. My, my great-grandfather, his brother, fought on the wrong side of the Russian Revolution. And by wrong side, personally, I think we were on the right side.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But we lost. And so um, what did the communists do to us? They took that liberty away. They made us not free. What did the Nazis do to us? They took that liberty away. They made us not free. What did this country do to the Japanese? Japanese-American citizens, citizens of this country. They took liberty away from them. They made them not free. And so liberty is so important because it does truly make you free. And it allows you to live the life that you deserve and the life that you want.
0: Can't we, I don't want to drag this out too much, but I I want to just tease this out a little bit. Can't we make the argument that that liberty is dangerous and should be curtailed?
1: I would say if you were saying liberty in the sense of the government... Maybe. And that's why we have a system that, um, especially in this country, that has checks and balances. Right. Yeah. Um, you don't have the liberty to infringe on Spread online. disease. Exactly. Jacobson, back to Jacobson, right. right? The Jacobson case, which said that. You don't have the liberty to spread that disease to another person, which is why it actually made vaccine mandates legal in this country.
0: And so the people who are the individuals who make up the country who consented to the, its operation mm-hmm. and consented to be governed have, in fact, handed over some of that liberty in exchange for security, probably someone would say.
1: Yeah, I would say that's why we have nation states is for security. Yeah. Um, it's the, the community and security.
0: We sacrifice our tax dollars for the contribution of the common good, roads, police, fire. Sometimes
1: kind of we disagree with what common good is, but yes. Right,
0: right, right but that's it though it's the collective though we we take a little bit so like i guess maybe the the struggle here and this is just one of those struggles and it's gone on for some time now a couple of years is we're still struggling to find where the balance is among this uh, pandemic response yes between liberty and security
1: yes and it's interesting because if you look at security right and there's people um this case didn't go anywhere uh, but it, it was Iqbal is what it was called, it, um, and it was a lawsuit uh, by a Muslim American who sued um, the FBI and uh, Department of Justice because he was a Muslim American that was arrested for suspicion of ties to like the Taliban or Al Qaeda. This is right after nine eleven, mm-hmm. and uh, he again this case went nowhere because the complaint was not well thought out. But we're talking about. That exact topic. He was alleging that his liberty had been eroded based off of who he was.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And part of it is that we do consent, right? The case was thrown out. So we consented to a law being passed that allowed something to happen. Um, we, we consented to the idea that of civil war, martial law, right? There's a history here. And relatively, the civil war was not that long ago. That's true, too. Historically, Uh, we might think it was, but it really wasn't that long ago. Um, Brown versus Board of Education. Not that long ago. In fact, art history books purposely make the uh, pictures from the civil rights movement black and white to make it look like it was longer ago than it was. Which is a very interesting uh, conundrum.
0: That's interesting. I just assumed that they were black and white photos.
1: No, they were color photos. What? Really? Yep. Yeah, those were color photos. And so, and it goes back to the conversation we had about uh, understanding our own mistakes and being able to draw those comparisons and saying, oh, no, no, we're, those are not alike, right? Mm-hmm. Because we don't want to be looked at as the bad guys.
0: Well, we don't want to uh, acknowledge that we can iterate some of these things as well, right? Mm-hmm. So if that thing that I'm looking at my history book was, quote, unquote, long, a long time ago, then I am not doomed to experience it again. But it turns out we're going through it right now. And I don't mean it, be it Brown v. Board or Civil War or whatever it is. We're going through an other wrestling with, if you will.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And out of the other side will come some product. And then from that product, that won't be a fu- finished product either. We'll have to refine that still for some, some time. And, pe- and there will be frustrations. There will be people wrongfully arrested. And there will be people wrongfully kept from their activities until they get heard in court. And so this is just an ongoing process and this is the way it's supposed to work. Mm -hmm. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah.
1: And so it's just one of those things is we have to have that humility and the idea that we can respect others and respect ourselves to have the honest conversations and not draw those false comparisons, but have a conversation about what liberty means to each other and understand that part of it is we did consent. That's why we have a government, Mm -hmm. right? Um, You're born in this country and it's a kind of a, automatic assumption of consent, mm-hmm. but there's things that you can and cannot do. You can't drink until you're 21. Mm-hmm. We've consented to these laws, even though we weren't And if here. you like
0: them, there's a process by which you can change them.
1: Exactly. Which is why I also mentioned, you know, this Jacobson case, if this goes to, if the Supreme court grants her to on these and decides to make a decision, it's either going to uphold Jacobson or their intent is going to be reverse Jacobson. And so that will give us a clear path about these mandates going into the future which could set up problems between the federal government and state governments that mm-hmm. have banned uh, vaccine requirements, Texas, um, North Dakota, Montana, Florida, Florida mm-hmm. and so on. Yeah.
0: So. Boy, there's so much more I want to talk to you about uh, just because it's a fun conversation. Um, but I, wanna, I think I want to call it. Uh, we'll a do good do another place, one. Dan. Yeah, we should. Um, yeah, I want to talk about two-party systems and – Oh,
1: that's a whole other topic we should. Red talk wave, about. Red
0: wave, blue wave, and you know the the pendulum swings, and how much damage can be done in between election cycles by somebody who <laughs> wants to just wrestle tyranny away. Uh, but anyway, well, I'm really happy to come it.
1: on again and talk politics.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's good though, and 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 I think it's good because I love discussion, I love dialogue, I like learning, but I think I like giving perspectives too, and uh, if this helps alleviate people's mental distress by any way, shape or form, I I think it's a good thing. So I appreciate your contributions. And, um, are you, are you on the interwebs? Can people reach you if they want to?
1: Yeah, they can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Mallon, E-L-L-I-O-T-M-A-L-I-N. I'm on Facebook. Um, I'm happy that people can reach out to me and I'm happy to have a conversation with anyone.
0: Um, work. If somebody wants to look you up and hire you.
1: Oh yeah. Um, so I'm a partner at capital partners, Nevada. Uh, You can find us at cpnv.us. If you guys, somebody needs some lobbying help, some government affairs help, we're always open to have a conversation.
0: Government affairs is good. If you don't know what's going on in your government, you hire a government affairs person to tell you what's going on in your government. And And uh, how it affects you. And and keep you in the know. That's right. So you don't accidentally out non-compliant. Right. Well, thanks Elliot, appreciate it. And on behalf of the Naga notes family and the Zephyr wellness family, we wish you all great mental wellness. Bye-bye. Thank
1: you.